Your hosts, Jeannie Walters and Adam Toporek, are two of the most recognized and respected names in customer experience, and they've dedicated themselves to helping you improve your customer experiences. And now, it's time for Adam and Jeannie. So Jeannie, today we are going to be talking about consumer sentiment and how it's changed since 2020 and all the many changes we've had. And, you know, I thought it was a great time to give a shout out to our sponsor, Alita. Uh, You know, one of the things Alita does is they have an airline client and they're actually leveraging Alita's product, Alita Spark, to keep a pulse on how the pandemic has affected their customers' travel intent and preferences. And I think that idea of understanding this changing consumer preference is so huge right now. It is. And I think a lot of times we assume that if you have any data, if you have good data, that's enough. But you know what? You can have all the business intelligence in the world. But if you don't have the best customer intelligence, really understanding who your customers are and what they need, then that's not going to take you as far as you can. So we encourage you to check out our sponsor, Alita, at alita.com slash ctcc and find out how you can tap into this type of customer intelligence. So Jeannie... We've talked a lot, right, in the last season, in this current season already. Uh, you, know, you can't escape the pandemic. When you talk about customer experience, you just can't escape the topic. And what I thought would be really interesting today is to dig in, really dig in with some research. And I want to pose a 50,000-foot question, and then there's a lot of different lanes we can take with this question. But it's really this, and I think this is the fundamental question that every company is going to be facing as we progress through 2021. How much of what has changed is permanent and how much of what has changed is going to go back to the way it was before? And I think if we we can dig into this on numerous levels, consumer sentiment, psychology, mentality, purchasing behavior, um, actual, you know, cons- just behavior, consumer behavior, pre- channel preference, all that. So that's the big picture question. Well, it's a huge question, and I almost want to uh, put a little asterisk to even the question because I think back to normal might not be where we're going, right? Like, well, hundred percent. Yeah, that, that's that is the question, right? <laughs> it's not, yeah. There's no, there's no normal. Let's not, let's just get rid of that right now, right? I agree with you. Yeah, because I think the <laughs> there's a line from a Billy Joel song, you know, the good ain't, good old days weren't always good and tomorrow and it ain't as bad as it seems. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> I I, I kind of get that because I think some there's a lot of nostalgia going on. There's a lot of, I mean, people miss, right? Like what was normal? People miss going to restaurants. People miss being able to gather the way that they want, all of those things. But I also think some of that is probably in the rearview mirror. And now we've got to figure out what that all looks like in this new world. So Right. So yeah, exactly. And we, and we, and we want to look at it from the perspective of how do companies try to, you know, game plan this, right? And try right. to think about the trends and guesstimate, because that's the mm-hmm. best you're going to do right now, um, where, where we're going to be. So, you know, um, there's one McKinsey study, and we'll, and we'll link to it in the show notes. Uh, and they really dug into a lot of this. Um, you know, and but it looked at some big changes in consumer behavior. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we know about, obviously, the sort of flight to digital and omni-channel. But 
Another one was a shift to value and essentials. Like 40% of consumers say they will decrease spending on discretionary categories. Mm -hmm. So here's the question that gets posed. Is that purely a view, uh, you know, is that purely because of the economic impact and the lack of jobs and things like that? Or is that going to not recover as quickly when the economy recovers because there's still a fear factor, Mm -hmm. you know, because COVID's not completely... You know, we're not quote unquote back to 2019, right? Right. I think there are there are a couple layers to this. One is absolutely there is this hesitation because people had major disruption in their lives, not just from that health and safety perspective, but also just in living their lives from an economic perspective. You know, so many people did suffer financially during this time that you know, people are kind of playing a little closer to the vest. They also, because of that, made different choices. And so in this McKenzie study that you talk about, they talk about how 76% of consumers have changed stores, brands, or the way they shop. And that's because they might have had to make different choices based on either their comfort level or their financial status or any of those things. And so when, you know, when you combine those things, people are going to start exploring different brands, different ways of shopping, all of these things, because of necessity, and then realize like, oh, this is not so bad. I mean, how many people do we talk to? You you and I have talked to on the podcast, but just in our daily lives too, who we, we say, you know, this, I started ordering groceries for delivery because it was the right thing to do. And now I'm kind of like, Oh, this is nice. <laughs> this is nice. <laughs> until you get right? the, it's nice till you get the produce. <laughs> well, yeah, you have, I mean, yeah, but they, it, they get you on the, what was the Joe Pesci? We're not going to use that term, obviously. They get you at the drive-thru. Yeah, they get you on the produce when you order delivery. I'm, I'm sorry. <laughs> um, oh, sorry. Were you going to say something else? Because I, I was going to add something. I, I was just going to say, like, I think that some of those things that started out of necessity from this are absolutely changed for good because they are introducing ideas of convenience and just different different brands even you know some people were loyal to certain brands and then suddenly had to make different decisions or because the shopper that they happen to get for groceries brought them something different accidentally suddenly there's a new brand in their life (laughs) so yeah exactly that that's all part of this well let's break it down from two two perspectives because um one is just really customer mentality and two i think and this is what i think you just hit on to me is the idea that well they discovered in a better experience Mm -hmm. um and i think that that's going to be something and let's get to that second but that's something that's going to really be affected by what industry it is Mm -hmm. right for sure but the first one, let's talk about the mentality thing, because mm-hmm. that you know comes back to that earlier question I posed about, okay, when the economy recovers, do, do we recover? Do we recover uh, our confidence as consumers? How does that? And I think one of the negative indicators on this is that, you know, at the beginning of this, uh, all not all the experts, but a lot of people predicted a baby boom. Right. We have seen the opposite. Right, right, right. right? It is literally a baby bust right now mm-hmm. uh, because people are scared. Uh, they're scared economically about having you know, the money, the complication. How do I, you know, the medical part of pregnancy mm-hmm. and you know, obviously people are still having babies. But as far as a, you know, a uh, categorical sort of global a numerical analysis, it is it is a baby bus. And mm-hmm. I think that fear, those fears and where they come from 
is something that we're going to be contending with on the company side for more than just 2021. Oh, I totally agree. Yeah. And, and, and I would say, you know, I think one of the things we saw, and you know, we're, we're going to stay away from the political side of this, but I think we can all just agree that there's been very, particularly here in the States, there's been very different perspectives on the pandemic and the responses from masks to distancing to groups, everything. And, you know, I think that we might see that difference widen where as people return to normal, we have a set of, especially larger companies that are really at scale are going to have a set of customers that are ready to act like everything's normal and a set of customers that are still worried. Mm Mm-hmm. Well, and the really interesting part about this... Hold on, journey map that, Jeannie Walters. <laughs> <laughs> the, the really interesting part of this, because human nature is weird, is that even with all of that disagreement, um, one study came out, it was actually through Forrester, and they have this Predictions 2021 Customer Experience Report. And one of the things that they talked about was how 6%... That's just one numeral. 6% of U.S. online adults trust travel companies to make smart choices in regard to guidance around proximity and hygiene. So what that tells you is that even though people might be behaving differently or, or claiming different, um, different attitudes, the fear level is still pretty high and people still might think that for everybody else, right? Like they might, they might assign certain attributes to everybody else. But when it comes to our own health and safety and our family's health and safety, we might actually behave differently and have higher standards. And so that's what makes this so interesting is that when we look at, you know, how can we take care of all of our customers, those customers who want things to, you know, go as far back to however they define normal as possible, to the ones who are not ready until every single person on the earth is, you know, vaccinated and feeling feeling safe. So I think this hybrid ideal, the, the way that we're going to serve them is through these hybrid models. You will have choices as customers. You will be able to say, yes, I want, to your point, Adam, like, yes, I want to uh, have my groceries delivered but I'm going to make the extra trip to the outdoor farm stand for my produce. And I'm going to make sure that I get to pick my produce there, but it's outside and I feel safer. So it's all these weird combinations like that, that I think we really have to start thinking through when we do journey map, for right. example. And, that, well, that's, <laughs> and that's my point, because now we're getting into uh, you know, what I would call sort of almost the trap of omni-channel, because I, I've never been a big fan of this idea of omni-channel. Um, I, I, it depends how you use the term, but to me, omni comes from the Latin meaning all. Mm-hmm. And I don't think you, it depends if you're just a huge company, you can pretty much be on all significant channels. Right. Um, but in a lot of cases, it's just not wise. You can't scale, um, every channel. Well, you can't do well at every channel. So you really need to 80, 20 it, right. For what are the mm-hmm. channels that really matter for your business? And, but now to your point, I think companies are going to be forced into, almost a scalability box here, right? Mm-hmm. Because now, uh, and let's t- let's talk about an industry that I think will go back, quote unquote, more to normal, which is restaurants and, uh, well, bars for sure. Bars, I mean, there's no carry out a bar. A bar is mm-hmm. to be there. So when, when things open up, bars will be bars again, right? Um, restaurants, 
I would imagine compared to like, I don't think grocery will recover in-person grocery will recover nearly as much as in-person restaurants because in-person restaurants, the experience is as key as the food, mm-hmm. right? So people mm-hmm. want to go sit and they want to get out of the house and they right. That's part of the restaurant thing. But to your point, how much, you know, that business that was like 5% take, carry out before, mm-hmm. is that now 25%? Is there, are there more phones? Are they staffing phones just, you know, significantly more than wait, wait staff? I mean, there's a lot to that, right? There is, but I think we're already seeing some of those changes because now there are these ghost kitchens, um, which are, you know, commercial level kitchens that are shared by restaurants with no physical footprint or a small physical footprint. And it's all about carry out and delivery. And that's because... You know, during this time, that's one of the things that that shifted quite dramatically in the restaurant industry. And so I think, you know, if you think about that question about proximity too, you know, people are worried about how close am I to other people? And some of the best restaurants I've ever had the pleasure of dining at, I was shoulder to shoulder with my neighbors. Right. Like I didn't these... I didn't like that before for the record. Right. I know, but <laughs> but you understand why, because they're so it's a hard business model. You have to make sure that you're getting a lot of people in and out of those chairs. And I think if you if you take away some of those chairs and you in, increase, you know, the the distance between patrons, then that means you have to make up for that somehow. And so I think we're going to see things that look like, you know, will they'll feel familiar when you go there in some ways but they might also have arrows on the floor right to tell people which way to go so you can't cross um, each other in the hallway you might have to um, order with your phone by scanning a qr code instead of being handed a menu that was handed handled by other people so i think one of the things and i've been actually writing about this recently is familiar experiences will feel unfamiliar And so we have to start looking at that and figuring out what is the best way we can guide customers through these experiences that they feel should feel familiar that will be just a little off. They'll be like Bizarro World for a little bit, you know, like like that Seinfeld episode, Um, because it really is uh, it really is about redefining what that experience is for customers and for your employees as well. They have to know what this looks like too. Yeah, 100%. And, you know, it's it's going to be industry by industry, right? Uh, and p- part of that McKenzie study we're going to link to has some uh, data on the actual industries, like how it has changed, uh, basically shifting to from uh, not completely online to completely online. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. you know, things you wouldn't even think about so much, but like alcohol. Right. <laughs> right. It's just shifting to online things like apparel right i mean all these things that really you know apparel depended right on what type of apparel and all that but i mean there there is obviously people like to try on their clothes right and and speaking of you know how are companies adapting i don't know if you've seen this we're going to give amazon a plug here like they need one <laughs> um but you know you you and i always joke about amazon uh because we uh they own us. Um, <laughs> but, you know, they started, I, I, I hope I'm getting the name right. Uh, Amazon, um, like, oh, God, I can't remember. Basically, it's Amazon clothes. I don't know what it is. Amazon, Amazon wardrobe. Wardrobe. Thank you. There we go. Yeah. So you've seen it. And it's right. It's they're literally taking advantage mm-hmm. of this time 
to just dig <laughs> right into that into that channel into their competition and say like okay here we're going to replicate you being able to try on clothes and that hassle-free experience of just trying them on and throw them in the corner as close as we can uh, by doing this system. And it's basically, you know, you can get X number of pieces and you throw the ones you don't want in the box and it all just boom. Well, you bring up a really interesting point because Amazon did not introduce that service during the pandemic. That was actually pre-pandemic, but it became more and more popular as people became more comfortable with this way of shopping with uh, using the technology that they have to do so. And that's happening across the board. We have certain tools and technology that have been out there for a while, but we haven't always known how they're going to fit. And one of those is augmented reality. And using our mobile devices, which everybody has, everybody's pretty comfortable with, to do things like shop for furniture. So we can use AR to say, how would this chair look in the room? And then use that tool to then shop through through the app of these different retailers. And, you know, it's interesting you brought up clothing too, because in 2019, Levi's CEO, so this again is pre-pandemic, he said that within the next 10 years, generic sizing would be replaced by custom fit apparel because they would use body scanning through AR. So this stuff has been out there and now we're just kind of seeing the opportunity and the potential with it and customers are getting more and more comfortable with it which is all exciting and also to your point a little harder to plan right to predict how do we deliver all this for our customers it's it's a big question to think through you know what i think the pandemic's like i'm literally just thinking of this right now i think we're all like uh in a in a like slow race like a 5k and like you know the prize was like a 50 dollar like gift card to a restaurant and then, like, while we were just jogging along and didn't really care, somebody came up and said, oh, yeah, the winner gets a million bucks. <laughs> oh, and it's a marathon, by the way. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> and now we're all sprinting. <laughs> uh, you know, because, I mean, the right, we, we've talked about this before, but the digital transformation, the numbers are insane mm -hmm. as far as the acceleration. Um, mm -hmm. And then to your point, especially the big companies, but, you know, the companies that were already digitally transforming were way ahead of the game because they were able to pivot. They they already knew where they were going. They just were like, oh, wow, we're going to have to go there today. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. you know, and now we have the buy-in to go there today. Like, what can we, let's see what we can do because we had, you know, we had a budget, we had a plan, we had expectations about where our customers would be, right? So mm -hmm. we, part of the reason we did not accelerate was, you know, it wasn't necessarily the financially smart thing to, to accelerate, right? Right. Um, but now it is because all of our customers are gone and they're all on their phone. Yeah. Um, so I, I think uh, when, when you look at that dynamic, I mean, it, it is, it's, it's truly like, a, it, it is a bit of a race, right? It is, are you going to, in your industry, basically transform and transform in a scalably and profit, scalable and profitable way? Um, and hopefully create a better experience at the same time than your competitors, because mm -hmm. you know we've talked about this a bunch. But you know you're getting benchmarked by so many other things. You're getting, you're, you're no matter what industry you're in, you know your your app is going to be benchmarked to some degree against Amazon's app. Yep, and right. that's been true for a while, and yeah, now exactly now it's a, a matter of taking things back a little bit. And you know I think there are two tools I want to talk about really quickly. One is I bet you can guess customer journey mapping. Boom. It's 
Uh, it's so powerful in situations like this because you can journey map what was it like before, what are we doing tomorrow, and how do we meet those gaps? And then in order to deliver that, service blueprinting would be an incredibly effective tool because that actually goes down a couple layers and you figure out what do your processes need to support? What do your systems need to support? How do you need to train your employees? All of those things that actually deliver on that ideal customer experience. So as you're like reintroducing these familiar experiences that feel unfamiliar suddenly, those two tools, those two techniques, they can be your best friends right now. So I encourage you to think about that if you haven't already started doing that. 100%. And I would say really try to add a uh, what if variability layer to both. Mm-hmm. Right. Yep. And uh, that's that's where we don't, you know, it's not done as much in the traditional mapping and blueprinting is, I mean, really looking at, okay, because when you're talking about the blueprinting, part of that is going to be talking about, um, okay, how, how much is, uh, how much are we putting on phone and how much are we putting on chat? Yeah. How much are we putting on, right? And it's going to be uh, resource allocation when you're into the blueprinting part and, you've really got a sort of almost pivot table, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the uh, the, d- the different uh, ways this could play out with your customer base. Uh, you know, one of the stats, I think let's um, let's maybe uh, make this a, fi- a, a drop point here. One of the stats was that 53% of people, this is just generic in the United States across all industries, uh, don't believe their routines are going to return till normal till normal till the second half of 2021 or beyond. So that's over half of the country mm. does not plan on returning to normal at least, and yeah. that's just their plan right now. That's what they hope, right? Um, right uh, until the second half of the year or past, yeah. uh, and that's going to shift, and you've got to be ready for how it shifts, which direction. Well, and if we've learned anything in these last 12 months, it's that you better be ready to shift (laughs) because shift happens. (laughs) Shift does happen. Well, Jeannie, I think we should shift to talking about our listeners. (laughs) Well, we love talking about them and there's no shifting from that. Uh, So there you go for that one, for that last little touch. So (laughs) we, we certainly do love our listeners. And this season, we certainly do love our seasonal sponsor, Alita. Check them out at alita.com. That is A-L-I-D-A. And if you go to alita.com slash C-T-C-C, you'll see exactly why we're partnering. We appreciate you spending your valuable time with us. I'm Jeannie Walters. You can learn more about me in our journey mapping program, CX training and speaking at experienceinvestigators.com. And I'm Adam Pork, and you can learn more about us and our customer service training, customer experience training, and of course, virtual presentations at CustomersThatStick.com. Until next time, take care of yourself. And take care of your customers. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.